Good morning, Zion. My name is Johnny, and I'm really excited to be wrapping up our Proclaim series with you this morning. So over the past few weeks, we've talked about fulfilling God's mission, even and especially through difficult times like the ones that we're living, living in currently. And so today we're going to be closing out the series in Matthew 9. In this chapter, uh, which comes before what uh, we've been preaching on over the past couple weeks in chapter 10, uh, Jesus has been traveling through Galilee. He was teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And so we're going to pick up at verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you've been challenging and convicting and teaching us through this series. Uh, God, we, as, as we wrap this up, Lord, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would direct us. I ask that you would uh, speak through me, that it wouldn't be my words or my authority, but yours, Father. Uh, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. So to this point uh, in his ministry, Jesus has been engaged in mission mostly by himself. His disciples have been along following him, playing a background role. But from now on, Jesus is imploring his followers to take part in this mission alongside him. This is a really dynamic and really important shift, and we'll talk about uh, why in a little bit. And so let's start by looking at the motivation we see for, for this mission that, that Christ is about to send his followers on and is inviting them um, into. And so verse 36 says that Jesus has compassion. And this is really it. This is the bedrock and foundation of everything. It's, it's what this mission is built on. The mission of Christ is motivated by compassion for his lost people. Now, unfortunately, this can often be in stark contrast to how we approach the lost at times today. So we, it's important that we fight the temptation to approach our mission with pride in our hearts or looking down on those who we're called to reach. Without this compassion, the result is an insulated church with little reach into the world that's unable to take part to take part in the mission God has called us to. And so Frederick Dale Brunner, uh, a biblical scholar, says mission is not motivated by Jesus's disgust for people because they are such sinners, but by the simpler fact of Jesus's compassion for lost people. The word compassion here doesn't have a direct English translation but it can be described as a deep gut-wrenching reaction that prompts an active response. And so Jesus was looking out on these crowds, these people that, that came to hear him, to be healed by him, to get close to him. He looks out at this crowd and he feels sick to his stomach because of his condition. The, the compassion that he feels for them isn't passive. It, it, it's causing a physical reaction to him. And so as I considered this and I tried to think of a human example of this divine compassion that Jesus was feeling for his people, um, I was reminded of the birth of my oldest daughter. And so a few days after Susanna was born, she had to be brought back to, to the hospital and admitted into the NICU. Um, it's the new, newborn intensive care unit. I remember seeing my helpless newborn daughter who I was supposed to protect 
um, in an incubator with IVs in her, doctors sticking needles in and out of her. Um, that was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to see, to witness, and to endure. Um, at one point, the nurse came over to me and, and told me it was getting late. And she said, you know, you can, you can head home now and get some rest and come back tomorrow. And, and you know, um, and we'll be here for you then. And I was so confused by her suggestion. I think, I think my response was, uh, do people go home? Like, do people do that? And I, I told her, I, I'm, not, I'm not going home. And she said, well, there's no place for you to sleep here. This isn't set up for that. And I saw an empty chair and I said, well, I'll sleep in that chair. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And so I spent the night in the hospital in a very uncomfortable chair so that I could be close to my daughter. Um, there was just no way I could leave and go about my day knowing that she was in the condition that she was in. Seeing her that way forced me to respond to it immediately in the best way that I could, which at that point for me was just to be there for her, to be close to her. And so I think this, is, this, is, this can give a, a good little glimpse into what Jesus was feeling for his people in this text. He saw them, he sees they're helpless, he sees that they're lost, he sees that they, they, need, they need something that he has for them and um, it prompts him to action. And so let's look at what's causing this compassion. So what is it that Jesus is seeing that's creating this reaction in him? And so Matthew says that he looks out at the crowd and he sees them harassed and helpless. And those are two, two really heavy words that we're seeing there. They're flocking to him with physical needs because Jesus is healing them. Um, but Jesus can also see their deep spiritual need that they may or may not be aware of. And so Jesus has seen this holistic picture of, of what this people need. This is the reason he came to the earth. He sees these harassed and helpless people and he's moved to deep compassion. These are people who have been let down by their leaders, leaders uh, who were supposed to be protecting them, who were supposed to be guiding them. Um, They've been let down. They've been led astray for years and years and years. Um, and as I think of this, I can't help but be reminded of, of our country and uh, the state of things uh, today in America um, with the upcoming election, uh, with, with the current state of our politics. There's so many people who have put all of their hope in a political party, all of their hope in this leader that... Uh, they're, they're, they're hoping can, can, can guide them and give them what they need. Both of these parties are failing. Neither of these parties can, can provide what we need. And so this isn't an endorsement of any kind, but rather a point to say that our country is full of these harassed and helpless people. And so much like Jesus was seeing a harassed and helpless people, if we can open our eyes, uh, those people are all around us today. Um, People who have been led astray by those who are supposed to protect them. This text relates directly to us today. And so that brings us to our next point uh, in, in, in what stirred Jesus's compassion. Jesus says that they are sheep without a shepherd. And this is the imagery that really drives home what Jesus is saying here. It's important to understand that sheep on their own are completely helpless without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd to survive. Even a healthy sheep is gonna be in trouble if it's on his own, if it, if it wanders off, if it's without a shepherd. 
Even the strongest sheep, even the Dwayne The Rock Johnson of sheep is not going to last long without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd, period. Um, They can't forage food on their own, so they can't feed themselves. uh, And they're very vulnerable to predators. Um, Sheep need a shepherd. The best sheep is going to need a shepherd or it's going to die. But it goes a step further here. We're not talking about healthy sheep. These sheep are not only without a shepherd, but they're also hurt. They're cast down. They're sick and they're injured. And there's absolutely no hope for these sheep, for these people that Jesus is looking at outside of the gospel of the kingdom. Do we truly understand this when we're thinking about mission today? Do we feel the weight of this when we look out at the harvest field? These people, this world has no hope, absolutely no hope of finding what they need, of finding their, their, this, this spiritual healing that they need apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, apart from the gospel of this kingdom. And that's something that we should be carrying with us on a daily basis. That should drive our conversations, our decisions, our thoughts, our prayers. So Jesus, full of compassion for these crowds, a compassion that is causing him a physical reaction, a gut-wrenching compassion for these sheep who have been led astray, for these sheep without a shepherd, for these sheep with no hope, goes on to say that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so the imagery here is of a large field that's ready for the workers to collect what's been grown. The field is, is, is huge, and the few workers there will never be able to collect all of the grain in time or all of the harvest, whatever they were growing in time. So there's, there's this huge harvest. There's a lot of work to be done, but there's not enough people to do the work. And so this imagery would have made perfect sense to the audience Christ was speaking to. Um, but we're New Yorkers who define a backyard as a slab of concrete behind the apartment building. And so the, the, the metaphor really doesn't hit the same. But I think many of us have been to an apple orchard. And so let's picture that for a second. Apple picking is my personal favorite annual tradition. Uh, it, it, it ushers in the fall, which is my favorite season. Um, you step into acres and acres of land with rows and rows of trees, hundreds and hundreds of trees full of, full of apples uh, ready to be harvested. Um, So now imagine for a moment that it was your job to pick all of these apples by yourself. Um, It'd be an impossible task. There's no way to do it. Uh, If you've ever just walking from one end to the other is often more than I can handle by myself. Um, I can barely make it out with a bucket of apples and both of the kids that I came in with. Um, This is an impossible task. This is the picture Jesus is trying to paint. This is not doable in the current state. Jesus is standing before these large, desperate crowds as he travels. So there's an obvious need for the gospel of the kingdom. There's a need for what he's doing because people are flocking to him. People are coming to see him. People are desperate to get close to him. So this is is needed. Um, But Jesus is one person and he can only be in one place at a time. And so his intention was never to carry out this mission alone but it was to invite his disciples and invite his followers to take an active role in expanding its reach. 
the, the, the reach of, of this gospel of the kingdom. And so this is really striking. And I want to talk about that for, for, for a second um, and give some context. This is really, really out of the ordinary for a rabbi to do. Disciples were in a learning position often. Disciples followed, they listened, they learned. They were not taking an active role in, in, in the work of their rabbi, but they were there simply to learn from their rabbi. And so now Jesus comes, calls them to action. Very rare for a rabbi to do, like I said. He's inviting them to share in his authority very early in their following, no less, and without much training. And that's, that's, that should be really striking um, and something Tiff uh, touched on as she opened the series. Um, Jesus can call and use anybody for his mission. Or as she specifically put it, Jesus can use a nobody like Johnny for his mission. <laughs> so how does he use us? How can he use me? How do I get from this place of, of uh, wanting, of being willing, of wanting to take part in this mission to actually doing it, to actually being equipped, to actually being able to go out? Well, Jesus covers this too. Um, the next point is that the first step Jesus calls us to is prayer. So after acknowledging the need for laborers, Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to get going already. He doesn't say, why are you still here? I just said there's mad work to do. He doesn't tell his disciples, hurry up, what's taking so long? Instead, he invites them to pray earnestly to God for God to send laborers into the harvest. And so our method, planning, process, intention, none of these are the primary action step for mission. Prayer is the key to sending out laborers and prayer is the key to collecting this harvest. We can do nothing before we pray. This is really hard for us. This is really hard for me. Waiting and praying um, because we're so smart, because we know so much, because we're so skilled, because we're so talented. This can be a very, very difficult step. But Jesus says that we are to start with earnest prayer. And in, in, in the very next chapter, we see, we see a full picture of this. So after inviting the disciples to pray, Jesus commissions the 12 disciples to expand the work that he's been doing. And so he gives us the picture. He says, there's a lot of work to be done. Pray that God would send laborers into the field. And immediately after that, he then sends laborers into the field. And so we can trust that as we pray, that God will answer that prayer, that that is a need that God will meet. God's desire is to send these laborers. And so it's our role to pray that God would send laborers and send us into the harvest field um, to continue expanding his mission. And so we're to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because it's his harvest. This isn't our harvest. This isn't our work. This isn't our mission for ourselves. Um, we're not doing our own work and we're not calling people to us. These are God's children. And we are on mission to preach the good news and to tell the lost how God wants to reunite them to himself. And so to wrap this up, 
I have a couple questions that, that I think we, we, we should be consistently thinking about as we think about mission and we think about our role in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our schools, in our jobs. And the first question is, do we have compassion or do we have contempt for the loss that we're trying to reach? Because only one of those is going to equip us to further the mission of, of Christ, the mission that, that Christ has sent us on. The second thing I want us to think about is that the harvest is still plentiful today. The, 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 the mission is as relevant today as it was when Jesus commissioned the 12. When Jesus sent out the 12, it's as relevant today. The harvest is still plentiful and the laborers are still few. And that brings us to, bring, brings us to my last point. Let's pray and let's pray earnestly and let's be eager and ready for God to send us into the field. And let's pray now. Father, we thank you for inviting us into this mission with you. We thank you that you've called us to take part in this with you. We thank you that you've decided to do this with us and through us. God, we ask that you would, you would send laborers into the field. Lord, the harvest is plentiful in our neighborhoods, in Bay Ridge, in Brooklyn, in New York City. The harvest is plentiful. God, we ask that you would send out laborers into your field. We ask that you would equip us. And as we share your gospel, that you would bring more laborers in to continue the work. Father, our desire is to further your kingdom for your glory. Our desire is to see people saved. And we ask that you would do this thing in us and through us, God. In your name we pray. Amen.